we have another look at another one of those great gifts, privileges that God has given to us, the privilege of every believer from the moment they're born again, being a priest and part of a royal priesthood. I'm going to read two little scriptures found in the New Testament. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And Peter is writing to the saints and he says this to all of all believers. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Listen to this now. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. So he said that we've, God has chosen us to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. And in Revelation the fifth chapter, verse 10, it says, You, God, have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. I want to just clear up some misunderstandings that slowly creep into the church, uh, sometimes deliberate, sometimes just through sheer ignorance. But I want to just make this very clear that the New Testament does not teach priests as being ordained ministers. In other words, certain offices we are ordained into, that of being a pastor or a teacher, prophet, an evangelist, an apostle, whatever the case may be. But priesthood is for all believers. All believers are equal priests. God has made us that way. In actual fact, the Bible teaches the exact opposite to be... Uh, priests having to be ordained ministers. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 7, if you'll take the time to read this, I'm not going to read it now. I'll just pick out one little part of a verse. But in Hebrews 7, verses 11 through to 14, it talks about there being a change in the priesthood. Jesus, like Melchizedek, they were not of the, tr the tribe of Levi, and Levi was the Levitical tribe, the priestly tribe. In the Old Testament, in order to be a priest, you had to be uh, from the tribe of Levi. Jesus wasn't from that. He was from the tribe of Judah. Melchizedek was not from the tribe of Levi either. And so there was a change in the priesthood. And in Revelation chapter 2, these, these are very powerful verses. These two verses I want to read to you, just parts of them. Revelation chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 15 <clears throat> In actual fact, the Spirit of God is saying to, to, to the church, you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. Now that group, Nicolaitans, he says you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. And in the 15th verse, he says, talks about the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Now that Nicolaitans, that group were made up of, from two words, that's how they got their name. The first one was the word Nikos, and the second one was Laos, and put together, that is Nicolaitan. Nikos and Laos. Nikos means to conquer or to subdue. In other words, <clears throat> to rule over as a higher authority or to dominate from above. So, God says, I hate those who rule from above or dominate from above or rule as a higher authority. And we've got to be very careful in the body of Christ that we don't place any 
particular group of believers in a higher authority when it comes to priesthood. I hope I'll make this clear as I go on. And remember, the second word is the word laos, and laos simply means the people, or the word we have for laity. So God says, I, what I appreciate about this church in the Revelation chapter 2 and verses 6 and 15 is you hate the practice of those who conquer or subdue or rule as a higher authority dominating from above over the people, the laity. I hope you're getting that now. Paul, as an apostle, wrote this and, and other leaders said similar things. He said, we ought to be regarded, speaking of leaders, we ought to be regarded as servants of Christ. He said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. And I want to read to you just what Jesus said. You can see this in two portions of the New Testament and throughout the whole Bible, actually, the whole New Testament. Jesus said in Matthew 20, uh, and I'm going to pick up in verse 25, after the argument that these uh, disciples are having, they want to be who's going to be the highest, who's going to have a the supreme place or superior place. He says this, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, <clears throat> and their high officials exercise authority over them. All right, listen to that. The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give his life, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He repeats that. You can read it for yourself again in Mark chapter 10, verse 41 to 45. Even in the Old Testament, where they did have Levitical priests, the Old Testament, original, God's original plan, it would seem to me for Israel, was that his people, well, let me just read it. His plan for Israel, his people was, we'll read it in Exodus 19, and I'm going to pick just a portion out of Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. It says, the Lord appoints Israel to be a nation and a kingdom of priests, the whole nation. That's Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Read it for yourself. And then in Isaiah chapter 61. Now, this is a long time after Exodus. They've come out of Israel. They've been living a long time. They've got Levitical priests. But in actual fact, Isaiah reminds them in Isaiah 61, verse 6. And he says, and you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. Priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. This is God's original plan for them. They lost it, and it's been restored to us when Christ came back, came to the earth for the first time. So, we, the whole church, every born-again believer, should be a priest today. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says, and I'm going to read these two verses again, you also, like living stones, a part of the building, are being built into a spiritual house, and in that spiritual house, you are to be holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't write that to pastors. He wrote that 
to the church. And Revelation 5.10 says, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. So let's have a look at the ministry of the priest in both the Old and in the New Testament so we can see what this means, that God has called us to be priests, to offer sacrifices to God. What does that mean? Remembering again in Romans 11.36, I just have to remind you of this constantly because when we minister as priests, this has to be essential in our hearts. First of all, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever. Amen. In other words, all ministry needs to be, first of all, vertical <clears throat> and secondly, horizontal. So we receive from God, that's vertical, comes down from God to us. And everything we do in ministry, first and foremost, must be to him. When I'm preaching to you now, it's to him, and secondly, it's for him. Upwards to God, comes down from God, upwards to God, I'm doing this for you, Lord, and I do it to the people. In other words, then the horizontal starts. So often in ministry, people are just taken up with the horizontal, and they forget it's the vertical. Every word I'm speaking, I'm saying, God, you. this is for you. Every act, everything we do should be for him. So for him, from him, what we receive from him goes through us and uh, we get it through his words, uh, through his spirit and through all of life's blessings. And then it, thirdly, in this uh, vertical, then horizontal, everything that we do ministry-wise should be about him and not us. The Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ um, honors, glorifies, and points us towards Jesus. He'll take, Jesus said, He'll take what is mine and make it known to you. So it's about Jesus. It's about not about us. It's not about any of us. It's about God. And then third, fourthly, then it's to others and to ourselves. So we receive from Him. It's for, to, for Him from him to others through his word by his spirit about him and then we can see ourselves and others being blessed so Acts 17 28 says for in him we live and move and we have our being everything is about God about Christ Romans 12 1 says you that this is our reasonable act of service or or worship as the NIV says and uh, Philippians Chapter 3, verse 3 talks about we who worship or serve him. So our service should be worship. All service should be worship. And everything and everything God needs to be central. Now, priests. Priests were to stand in the presence of God on behalf of the people. So in other words, they stood before the people and said they were standing representing God to the people before them, <clears throat> telling and revealing what God is like, sharing with them, this is what God's like, and by their lives, they should be revealing what God is like. And then we also, as priests, as you look in the Old Testament, priests also not only stood before the people, representing God, but they stood, he stood, they stood before God representing the people. Praying for them, 
holding his promises before him, ministering to him, for him, offering spiritual sacrifices. So it's to God and to the people. That was their ministry. Jesus, our high priest, did this and still does the same today. He's our high priest, and right now he's still representing us before God, praying for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He represents us there, and we need to be living out, if we're going to be priests, doing what Jesus did. So, in other words, an important part of all of this was and still is access to God for him and for others. If you want to take some examples from uh, the lives of Jeremiah and Moses, read Acts chapter, uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 19 through to 20, Exodus chapter 32, uh, verses 31 and 34 on the mountain uh, with God. Moses is on the mountain with God after Israel had made that golden calf. And then also in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 33, where you see Moses pleading with God for Sodom. So read those three scriptures and you'll see something of what I'm trying to get at. So we as priests, all, as all priests, should minister in all of the gift ministries and all of the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through to verse chapter 14. All of those gifts, those that are found in Romans chapter 12 and then Ephesians chapter 4, all priests should be ministering in those areas. So read for yourself the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, prophecy, um, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, etc., etc. And all those Romans ones of gifts of administrations or whatever, uh, Romans chapter 12, read them for yourself. And uh, we are all called to be that as believers. Now, I'm hoping, let me just remind you again right here, we're talking about all believers, not certain officers like pastors, evangelists, teachers, etc. All believers. So, if you were to read in your for your in your Bible, and we don't have the time because I'm looking at the time. I've only got 20, 30 minutes to do this. Read one chapter, one Peter chapter two, verses four through to twelve, and you'll see a lot of what the sacrifices are that still need to be made, or an introduction into that. While we know that, that through the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus for all of time and eternity that was made on the cross, we no longer need to perform all, the, all those laborious sacrifices that Israel had to do, uh, like earthly priests having to kill goat, lambs and goats, sprinkling the blood on the altars for forgiveness, for appeasement, for atonement, thanksgiving, etc. Read, read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through to 18 as well. But those have been made, that sacrifice has been done once for all. But there's still a few sacrifices that we should still be willing to make because of that once for all sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. We are a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices is what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. Priests represent God before the people and the people before God. So let's see, what do we mean by sacrifice? Well, first of all, a sacrifice is something, I've read this somewhere, a sacrifice is something or of value which is freely given by one person in order to please, enhance, or benefit another. Jesus' death on the cross 
is an example of the supreme sacrifice. In our case as Christians, and I read this somewhere, the act of offering to a deity something precious, something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. So a sacrifice, in other words, this is the point I want to make, a sacrifice requires self-denial. You do it whether you feel like it or whether you don't feel like it. It makes no difference. God is worthy and we should offer these sacrifices. So if you were to read for yourself in 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verses 13 and 14, you'll see four things that stand out to us. First of all, consecration. This is a lesson. We need to consecrate. If we're going to be uh, priests unto God, offering spiritual sacrifices, there needs to be consecration. Secondly, they offer sacrifices to God. Thirdly, they minister to God before God. And fourthly, they pronounce blessings in His name. So these, this is part of what we can still do today. We can consecrate ourselves. We can offer sacrifices that God requires of us to God, our lives. We can minister before God. And these can be sacrifices, New Testament sacrifices today. And we can pronounce blessings in His name over our own lives, over our family, over our churches. And so I'm going to try to itemize this as to what I mean by this. First of all, it means the sacrifice of your life, its, its totality as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's where it starts. Consecration, that you... This is a word that's not used much in the body of Christ today, consecration. We need to sacrifice, offer ourselves on the altar and say, God, I'm yours, lock, stock and barrel. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. I want to honor you with my body. Your whole life, the entirety of you. You could read John chapter 15. I'm just going to give you some scriptures. I hope you'll read them for yourself. John 15 verses 12 and 13. Luke 11, 23 to 25, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through to 5, Luke 9, 24, I'll read this one, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me <coughs> will save it. Read Romans 6, 13, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. These are just some of the scriptures, Philippians 2, 17 is another one. So it's a sacrifice of, first of all, your love, your life. Secondly, it's the sacrifice <coughs> of praise. There's a, there's a sacrifice of praise before God. <coughs> Hebrews 13, verses 15 through to 16. Read them for yourself. <coughs> In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Uh, well, in order that for that to happen, we can come with confidence, but we need to be really thanking God for the, for the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, that he opened the way for us. That's a sacrifice of praise. We're to offer a sacrifice of praise, even the fruit of our lips. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, In Jesus... Him, we, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And <clears throat> that through the sacrifice, everything has been taken care of for time and eternity. 
We don't have to bring anything but ourselves. Isn't that a marvelous thing? Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, once again, this can require self-denial, and we give Him praise and thanks, whether we feel like it or not, because He has saved us, and with the fruit of our lips, we praise Him. We move on quickly. We have so much to praise God for. If I could just go on and on. Psalm 107 verse 22, it says, Let us sacrifice thanks offerings. 1 Corinthians 1 4, Paul actually thanks God for the churches. All of these are sacrifices of from our lips uh, uh, of, of praise. And then thirdly, there's a sacrifice of love. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Now God wants all of us to be hospitable, to be helpful, to, to, to care for others, to share with others. That is service. In other words, the sacrifice of our love is, ser is service. Christ, serving Christ through your testimony, life and lips, Romans 15, verse 16. Um, sharing with others what God has given to you so that when they're in need, you share what you have. And when you may be in need one day, they share with you. Uh, the God who supplies all our needs. Uh, this would include material help. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through to 19. You know, we so often quote these verses. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But that, uh, those, those verses really re refer to God supplying our needs. Why? Because we are offering a sacrifice of our material help uh, possessions to the apostolic prophetic team. Read the context. It's not about bringing that God will just supply your needs because you're tired. This has to do with apostolic giving. And so we need to make sure that we and our church give to the apostolic prophetic. And so I've seen this thing sneak into the church now where lots of people are saying, well, we'll take that money, the, the tithe or the, the amount that is equivalent to a tithe that comes in from the finances of the church, and then we'll use it for ourselves to do what God wants us to do. Now, we should do that through the tithes and offerings that come into the church, but not through the um, apostolic giving, at the expense of the apostolic giving. Even if you're doing some apostolic work, you should still, to the church, the, team you belong to you you that you are sorry that that's a wrong word the team that you relate to and accountable to that you would uh, provide for their needs and then it says in Romans 12 13 share with God's people who are in need practice hospitality read 1 Timothy 6 17 and 19 and 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse, verses 1 to 5 Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says this, Walk in love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offer, offering and sacrifice to God. So the love we're talking about is the 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 to 21 and 1 Corinthians 13 type love. And then, because of time, I'm going to move on quickly. The sacrifice of your faith. Philippians chapter 2 verse 17, Paul talks about being willing to be uh, poured out as a drink offering. 
He wanted his life to count for God. He was willing to, for his life to be poured out. And to, he was willing even to die for Christ. And in, read in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, that Paul was so willing to sacrifice the sacrifice of his faith that he was, he was even willing to be cursed if Israel could be saved. Now, these are sacrifices that God asks, would you like to join in the privilege I'm giving you, making you a priest? That you, you, would you join in and do that and offer these sacrifices? Then there's a the sacrifice of prayer. In Revelation 8, verses 3 to 5, it talks about how the incense and the prayers of the saints and that the angel takes them and in, when they all put together, that sacrifice, he casts it down on earth and there's a cataclysmic reaction and response on earth. So we need to be praying sacrificially for churches, praying apostolic churches, uh, prayers for the city churches, for nations, for, uh, for special times of outreach, I, 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 I'm part of a team called New Covenant Ministries International Team. And day by day, they post things that they're doing across the world, going in and training people, helping people, evangelistic outreaches. We need to keep ourselves updated with what we are doing together in the nations, in our relationship together with a translocal team and, and sacrificially pray. That's part of the sacrifice of all priests and the prayer meetings of the churches, they should be praying these kind of prayers. The Ephesians 1, 15 to 23 type prayers. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Philippians 1, 3 to 11. Take these prayers. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. And, and go before God and pray them to God on behalf of the church and churches and the people. Then there's a the sacrifice of self. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. If any man wants to take, follow me, yes, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Philippians 2, verses 5 through to 8. Read those for yourself. Time is running out. And then there's the next one. This is, I think, the seventh sacrifice we can still offer today. And that's the sacrifice of proclaiming the gospel wherever we can, no matter what the cost. And I'm going to just read this Romans chapter 15, verse 16, as we come to a close. I've got just uh, two other scriptures to give you. But in Romans chapter 15 and verse 16, if you'll just uh, turn there quickly with me in your Bibles. Now, while I'm looking this up, please remember this, that if you're serious about serving God and really want to count for Him, you're going to take His Word more seriously than what, you, what I'm saying. In other words, you're going to look up these scriptures for yourself and be like the noble Bereans. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 16 says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, I'm going to pick up on the 15th verse. I have written to you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace of God that God gave to me, listen to this now, to be a minister of Christ, Jesus, to the Gentiles, with the priestly duty of proclaiming, the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It costs sometimes to proclaim the gospel, but it's part of our priestly ministry. It's part of our offering of sacrifices. Remember, sacrifice doesn't replace or negate 
obedience. Read for yourself 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 where it's very clear that God requires obedience above sacrifice. Obedience. And Proverbs 21 verse 3 says this, to do the right, to do right and just is more acceptable to God than sacrifice. So in Jesus' name I'm asking you, don't be robbed of this precious gift, one of those gifts that comes from the Father above the good and precious goods that you get from your how much more heavenly Father. Be a good priest. Start now. As you finish listening to me preach, get on your knees and start to offer God a sacrifice of praise. Offer Him yourself afresh. Tell Him you want to go out and proclaim the gospel. You want to do good to others and become hospitable and do all these things that the scriptures tell us. Be a good priest. We want to be one of those houses for God that is absolutely counting, seeing God being accurately represented and people falling in love with him. Fall in love with him yourself right now. Father, help your people in Jesus' name. I commend them to you and the spirit of God's help as we glorify with him and magnify the Lord Jesus with all that we can offer. We are your priests. Help us to be good ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings on you.